to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by your two usual hosts here, Tom Mannering and myself, Josh Hartley. Tom, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Uh, it's raining outside, so I apologise if you can hear that slamming into the window uh, <laughs> if the sound picks that up, but otherwise I'm good. Uh, how are you? I'm alright. Yeah, we were, t- we were chatting before we hit record. I've, I've had a, a, it's a busy Busy work week, so I'm glad it's the... Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, so glad it's the weekend and I'm getting to unwind a little bit. Um, we've got... Um, I wasn't sure if we were going to have a lot to talk about this week, but then then I, we started sort of... We, we do at least plan a little bit, uh, and we started, we started talking about subjects that we could cover off. And we've actually got, we've got a few bits and pieces that we can, we can chat about. Um, where, where shall we start? We we did some actual in-person, real-life gaming last weekend, so we could start with that. We did, we did. So last Sunday, um, prior to the episode of last week going live during the day, uh, myself and yourself, you, I'm not sure how you say that, uh, <laughs> played a game of Warhammer 40,000 in my uh, my little flat here. Like we were bloody invincible. I know, right? COVID be damned. I mean, we're, we're allowed to, to be fair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, See, so yeah, it's the first time we saw each other inside in person for a good while, I think. Uh, I came over to your flat like when restrictions got eased last summer. Yeah. And then right, we yeah. have, yeah, we have seen each other in person since, but it's been outside. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was. A little, little surreal, but nice to have a bit of normality. Yeah, so, definitely. How did, how did the game go? Well, I was going to ask you the same question uh-huh. uh, <laughs> under the circumstances. Uh, so I won, uh, mm-hmm. which is a rarity, to be fair. Um, especially you say a rarity? You, you, you won your previous game of 40k as well. I did, but in my previous game of 40k, my enemy softballed me. Um, okay. Because... Let's be honest, I'm a bit of a sulky bastard when I lose. Uh, and I don't like playing powerless uh, uh-huh. at, at the best times. I'm, I'm self-aware, right? I know my flaws. Um, yeah. And so so when I played against uh, my friend Will uh, a week or two back, I can't just remember how long ago it was now, um, he... What did he play? He played his Zelda list. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played my Gene Stealer list. Um, and he very, very much uh, went fairly easy on me, uh, it's fair to say. However, uh, when I played yourself, we played a fairly reasonable match. Uh, we played. I think so. Yeah. We played Space Marines versus Necrons, so mm-hmm. uh, almost like we're out of the starter box. Um, but I was playing my old school uh, soul drinkers, like normal yeah. Marines, none of your primaris bs uh just <laughs> normal marines on normal bases um mm-hmm. an army that i've had since i was about 16 i think uh, it goes mm-hmm. goes way way back uh albeit having had various changes and additions over the years and you you played your new necrons that are all very nicely painted up 
uh, you, over yeah. the last few months. Your your soul drinkers were looking pretty cool though as well. The purple color scheme's really nice on them. They're they're decent, yeah. It, they're a weird one of my soul drinkers, and I, I said this to you at, at the time um, because when I started painting them in the old paint range before the new paint range came out. And then obviously when the new paint range came out, there was a slight change in the coloration pigment, uh, which meant that it was trickier to match. And mm-hmm. to, to further complicate it, when I had these sword drinkers, I lived in Carlisle, and I was working at Games Workshop, and you would quite often put your own armies in the cabinets at the front of the shop. Mm. Uh, and I had them in the cabinets for a good like six months at one point. And the the models got sun bleached, uh, uh. so that paled the color as well. So you, it's not like immediately obvious, but if you start picking up a few of the squads and and comparing them, you can see these slight sort of uh, variations in the, the sure. shades of purple. Uh, but no, I like them. You know, they're they're painted to to my standard, which is sort of a comfortable tabletop standard. Uh, yeah. No, they were looking. They were looking nice. Looking nice. So uh, you you've mentioned your your army was a lot of what what get called now firstborn mm-hmm. marines. So a bunch of tactical squads, um, a dreadnought, and a big old block of terminators mm-hmm. uh, led by a couple of characters in terminator armor as well, right? Yeah. So I had a, a librarian in terminator armor, and I had uh, a captain in mm-hmm. terminator armor. And the Terminator armored parts of my army pretty much carried me, if we're being honest. Yeah, they were they were nasty. <laughs> like it started off, and I think the beginning of the game was very sort of neck and neck. Um, no one immediately jumped ahead. Uh, you blew up my dreadnought very quickly with uh, a, a thing from your character, if I remember right. Uh, my uh, Overlord has the little wrist arrow that you can shoot once per game. Yeah. So. Oh, I, 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 I was just happy that I got to do something cool with that. <laughs> yeah, and you, you kind of picked off one of my tactical squads very early because I'd split my tactical squads into combat squads because you had yeah. a lot of models and you had a lot of objective control, which I was really mm-hmm. scared of at the start of the game. And I kind of grumbled straight away about how much objective you did, control yes. you had um, because you all your models counted as two. For objective mm-hmm. control or like m- the majority of them did anyway yeah um and you know i had a, a much more elite army because it's space marines and didn't have that benefit so i was quite mm-hmm. scared uh of your objective control so i sort of split into combat squads to try and get a bit more you know control on on the board and rushed yeah. one of them back and you you blew them off the map pretty quickly but then it kind of turned around when the terminators and the characters engaged the the block of your army uh and i kind of took your general out fairly early with a few mm-hmm. a few lucky shots and a few poor rolls on your part and then the terminators just sort of very slowly ground their way through everything that was left while well, you picked off the majority of the rest of my army uh but the terminators did the, the heavy lifting yeah yeah, they, they were definitely, I would have said on your side, the MVP. Um, my MVP, I think, uh, like the regular Necron Warriors, like mm. they were just like, apart from your Terminators, like everything else really struggled to kill them. Mm-hmm. Like for like basic troops, that's exactly what you want. So yeah. I, I've got a few ideas on how I'd do things differently. I definitely, next time I'm definitely going to bring a, like a big blob of 20 of them so mm. that it's harder for them to get 
get killed and yeah. uh, I get more value out of their reanimation stuff. Um, so I'll give that a try. And I've started uh, building up some more models. The kill team stuff that you, you gave me, basically, I've started building them. So that is a character of some description. Technomancer, I think it is. Okay. Which sounds like he's into like techno music, but I think his thing is giving units like a five up and vulnerable save. Okay. So he'll be really good. Uh, and the flayed ones, which are one of the most frustrating model kits that I've ever had to build. <laughs> they are so fiddly and sharp. Yeah, <laughs> like, I can imagine. So I'm, I'm working my way through them. I might build a few other characters as well so that I can like paint a bunch of characters all at the same time. Um, I've got like another overlord that I can paint up. This is the one, the really cool looking one with the big scythe and the orb mm -hmm. that he's holding. Uh, I've got some other of the like spell, quote unquote spellcaster mm. type characters as well, including one that you kindly gave me in our Secret Santa. The fine cast uh, one or the other one? Yeah, yeah the fine cast one. Right. Okay. That's cool. Uh, I might, I might glue, up, uh, build up a, a squad of the immortals as well. So I've got some more troops that I can pick and choose between. But Very nice. I'll need to, I'll throw down the gauntlet for a rematch soon. Sounds maybe not, mate. maybe not now. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you think you'll, do you think you'll go with the Space Marines again, or do you want to mix it up a bit? Um, I, I don't know really. It, it will depend on obviously what's available when we play again if mm. if gene sealers get a cult, uh, get a codex in the not too distant future um and my army gets painted up in time I'd, I'd like to field those you know fully painted with a new codex that'd be awesome yeah um i want to work on some of my terrain uh time permitting in the next mm -hmm. couple of months as well uh, and finish painting that up uh and get that to kind of where i want it to be um I've got a few ideas. For, I've got a lot of, of ideas for stuff I want to do at the moment, and it's mm -hmm. it's time and picking the, the the sort of line I want to go down with it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, that's fair. But certainly, you know, I'm, I'm always up for a game, um, and especially against yourself, since we've uh, we've implemented the no unlucky frog dice rule, uh, <laughs> I find it a lot, a lot fairer. <laughs> I I I've even offered to let Tom use said unlucky frog gaming dice, but he's uh, refused on principle. I have I, I I will use them in in RPGs when I'm GMing because why not? You know it's fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I won't I won't use them in a. It, the other thing is as well as as much as I adore those dice, they're they're quite sizable dice, and in a a tabletop game where you've got a lot of miniatures, you don't really want to be chucking massive dice around. Yeah, that's fair. We see actually, ugh, we've got um, we've got branded dice boxes, but they're, they're at Ben and Charlotte. I could maybe pick one of them back up uh, so that we can use that for our next game. We should. Do um, yeah, Why don't I have one of these. I should have one of these. <laughs> they were. We only got two of them made, ah, okay. and they they're both at Ben and Charlotte's. That's so. Cool. Um, I might I might see if I can indefinitely borrow one. <laughs> so before so. we before we move off this discussion quickly, what what was your kind of is this one of your first games of the new edition? I've played against you previously uh, for this edition for ninth edition when we played uh, my Death Guard versus your Gene Stealer cults last year. I have no memory of that game at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know uh, I lost. I was, 
you lost. And uh, yeah, this was before the new Death Guard Codex came out. Mm. So uh, disgustingly resilient was still like the five up. Yep. Um, it's all so, coming back to me. Yeah, yeah. You remember now? It was a fun game. It was. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it was a game. <laughs> it was. It was a game. We can confirm that. Um, but no, it's uh, uh, there's a definitely a few things that I'll do different. Uh, I definitely want to keep playing with my Necrons. I've got my Death Guard that I can bring back to the table. And I've got a lot of new stuff since we played last year okay. to try out, including the big old gribbly de- uh, demon prince. Uh, so I don't know. I, I could. I suppose, like time permitting. Here's the thing with 40k: you can only really play one game in a day. Mm-hmm. Like you can, even if you have time, it's quite um, a mentally draining game mm-hmm. because there's a lot to remember. Yeah. So I think even if we had the time to get two games in, I don't know if I'd want to. Like it'd be like, cool, we're done now. Let's just sit and chill. Yeah, I mentioned this to you when we were playing on Sunday. Um, the thing that I have noticed with the new edition, I like the new edition. Uh, mm. The core rules of it, I really enjoy. I think it's arguably one of the best editions they've released for how the game plays. However, to be devil's advocate against myself, I mm. think it is also one of the most complex editions, purely on the basis of how much you have to remember, not just of the core rules. The core rules are all right. They're not yeah. too difficult. But once you bring your army into it, and I mean, we were both using new codexes. I was using the new Space Marine, you were using the new Necron. And the amount of different rules from different like elements of your army that you have to bring in, you know, you've got specific rules that are applicable to your army, specific rules that are applicable to your sub-faction. You've got command rules, stratagems. You've got individual unit rules. It's daunting. And I said to you on, on Sunday, and I stand by it, if I were a newcomer to the hobby, mm-hmm. this would be the hardest edition to learn, I think. Like, I joined in like second edition, which had a lot of peripherals on it at that point in time, and I would argue that was easier yeah. than this edition is. I uh, no, I I mean I agree. Like I think the core rules themselves are pretty straightforward. That obviously Games Workshop have made a, a decision to one make this a complex game and to put the, all of that complexity at an army level rather mm-hmm. than like just the basic rules. Yeah. I suppose it. So here's the thing, right? You don't have to play with all the rules. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to say that you have to play with stratagems with all of your like. Uh, chap- uh, your chapter uh, rules and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. At the same time, that's a little bit of a feel bad because mm-hmm. it, like, it, you're always going to feel like, oh, well, I'm just playing with one hand behind my back now. Yeah. So I get why, yeah, in theory, you don't need to play with all the rules, but you kind of want to. Yeah. Right. Well, that's where, so- and I think you mentioned this on Sunday, that's where the customization and the the variability of your army comes into play from those additional rules but we both had stuff like that on every turn we had a different rule we had a rule in our army that shifted and i think both of us at least at one point forgot to do it because it's just an another level (laughs) that you have to factor in um i I don't want to naysay because i really enjoyed the game i've enjoyed Mm. all the games i've played even the ones I've, i've lost and bitched about but I really enjoyed the game itself. I really enjoyed the addition. It's just, I feel, and I said this to you, I feel like you need to have a cheat sheet for your own army 
like, yeah yeah turn I, one do this on turn two do this in the shooting phase do this you know i think i think there's a lot of people who do that to mm-hmm. be fair so that's a, that's a fair shout it's a, like with anything else as well with practice you, you get the hang of it i think the i'm gonna sound like oh poor me the, the difficulty with you and I is we've got multiple armies. Mm-hmm. I've got my Death Guard, I've got my uh, Necrons, and Ben is currently working on my Blood Angels. So that'll be three different armies that I've got to try and get my head around. So I think Not over that... and above that as well, there's two yeah. two more factors that contribute to that. It's, it's how often you play. I mean, yes. we play really once every two months at most. Um, it's not say. very frequent and yeah. and that's you know pre-lockdown you know over the last year we've had maybe two games total mm-hmm. and then there's also the fact of we have a lot of hobbies that have a lot of <laughs> knowledge to retain about them you know we we play various board games tabletop games role-playing games you know i play computer games you play card games you know so much yeah. that we we engage with outside of, of 40k it's not like this is our driving hobby it's it's just one of one of many voices in a crowd mm. <laughs> that are screaming yeah. for attention so it is quite a, a complex uh you know num- I, I mean i struggle sometimes when i'm running rpgs you know i'll, I'll stop yeah. mixing rule systems up and i'll be like i yeah i have no idea how you are able to like g not just play but the gm the different uh systems because as a player I mean, I, I, I know the basic rules for mm-hmm. mo- like for all the games that I play, but like there's a lot of like nuance that, um, that I will forget and I need to double check. Yeah. Uh, so it's, as you say, it comes from experience. You know, the the more you do it, it just becomes something you know. Um, I think my brain is probably reaching capacity. I'm not sure I, I can learn any more systems for the rest of my it's life. It's like a quote from I'm... The Simpsons. I read a book once and I forgot Long Division. <laughs> yeah, like... Pretty much. <laughs> like... You know, I've, I forgot my childhood already. I'm not sure what's next to go. <laughs> Potentially dark. Let's let's move on from that. Um Right, well, we've got other things to, to chat about that's been in the news lately. So, well, why don't you kick us off with uh, Chaosium? And they're celebrating a big birthday this year. Yeah, so 2021 is the 40-year anniversary of the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, which is insane to think about, really, because that means that... And, and I hadn't really taken this into consideration, but that means that game is older than we are. You know, it came out before we even existed, which is mind-blowing really almost as old as dungeons and dragons yeah i mean, I mean it's it's a little out but it's it's not far better. well i i'm not i i mean i i'm not counting uh, what was it was it uh, what was dungeons and Dra- chain mail there we go yeah. thank you yeah i'm not counting chain mail as dungeons and dragons even though it, it pretty much is tom, tom is on the google now <laughs> just checking You've rumbled me. checking uh, yeah, Dungeons and Dragons came out in 1974. Um, oh, okay, right. Well, that is old. <laughs> so this is sort of, I mean, yeah, that's ten years before I was I was born, certainly um, for D and D. It's crazy, you know. But it's it, it goes to to show you know the strength of the system. It's not as prolific as D and D by any stretch of the imagination, but it's still been around for 40 years, which is crazy. I think um, one, well, per, I've, I've said on the podcast previously, but as a system, it's my favourite. Mm-hmm. I love the, the percentile style systems because the rules are 
Uh, again, there's some nuance to those rules, but they are pretty straightforward to get in your head. Like, yeah. oh, I just need to roll under this number. Um, so it means that you're, you're not getting bogged down with the rules and the mechanics of the game and you can actually enjoy like the, the role-playing and the narrative and the investigation, yeah. which is really cool. Exactly. And also the, also the setting is class as yeah. well. It's got uh, the, the 19 sort of 20s, I think, is a great setting. I was, I was talking to to a friend of mine the other day and I was saying, you know, if I could pick an era historically to live in, sort of the, the 20s and 30s would probably be the one I would go for. Um, just because... Go for, you, I mean, go for, go for the 30s because I think the 20s... Well, it depends on where in the world and what class you... I suppose, like... If, if if you're if you're upper class in any time period, it was probably pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you can't go wrong. I mean, I'm I'm. It's a very sort of fantastical situation. I'm not saying you know, teleport Tom right now to, uh, you know the the 1930s. You know, mm. nothing in my in my pockets and that. Um, but yeah, if I could if I could have been a gentleman in sort of the the 20s and the 30s, uh, purely because it means you can wear a suit and fedora and not look like an idiot. Um, which you know, <laughs> some people some people need to get that memo. Yeah, they really do. Fedoras are are very very cool in the nineteen thirties. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're not cool now. And and see if you're walking around with a hoodie and a fedora, stop it. Yeah, <laughs> just stop it. Um. Anyway, not to bash on people's fashions. <laughs> so the the thing that I I was going to uh, discuss. So what Chaosium are doing to celebrate this, which is is really cool, is they are doing a Kickstarter to release the uh, original uh, a re-release of the original box uh, for Call of Cthulhu that comes with the rule book, comes with some supplements and things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the the getting started box of, of the. From what I understand, it's the first edition, you know, the, the first printing. So it is literally like a reprint of that, or they're trying to recreate it as close as possible. So exactly. that was going to be my question about it. I know that we're on the seventh edition I think that's of Call right. of Cthulhu now. Uh, so is is this like printed as the first edition rules were? Or yep. Right, okay. So it's, it's, it's basically, a, a, from what I understand, it is page for page what was printed originally. That's really uh, cool. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if they're adding in some supplements that weren't in the original. Obviously, I didn't have the original, and I've never looked mm. into it in any ex- you know, excessive depth. It's a lot more complicated, is the original Call of Cthulhu, mm-hmm. because older games just are for some reason. Yeah. Um, but it's the original edition. Um, a couple of adventures, a couple of supplements in there. Uh, they've obviously got things like stretch goals, which are like a GM screen, I think, is one of the stretch goals, and dice. Uh, and things like that so it, it looks really good um, as much as I really like it and as much as I'm really positive for it and I think it's a great idea the only nitpick I have with it is it's a company that don't need to use Kickstarter using Kickstarter Yeah, which is always a bit of a bugbear of mine because I'm like you, you realistically have the money to run this yourself and then just sell it but maybe yeah i mean maybe they just want to do like a limited run of it so yeah. by doing it through kickstarter they know exactly how many copies that they need to make so that you know they don't under or over manufacture yeah lord knows games workshop have been having a lot of that problem lately so at least this way like everyone who really wants it will will get it yeah and they won't have to go through scalpers to to get it either 
Although I, I dare say that will still happen, but hey, uh, what can you do? But I mean, out, outside of that, I know of companies, and I think Chaosium might be one of the companies that do this, who do print to order. You know, who, yeah, will, okay. who will take an order and then print it and, and send it out to you. So I don't understand why they've not gone that way. I, the, the Kickstarter funded in 10 minutes mm-hmm. of, of going up. So there's there's pretty obviously an interest in this. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I wouldn't have been in any doubt about that. You know, if I'd been a Chaosium board member or whatever, I would have been like, it's our 40th anniversary. People are going to buy this. We don't need to kickstart it. Let's just do print on demand if we need to or or something similar if we don't want to take the risk but we can we can go straight to print with this i suppose the upside of that is they can do the stretch goals here because yeah. it is selling so well so they can introduce extra things that they wouldn't have, have mm-hmm. factored in so that's i suppose a, a tick in the the pro box but i think that's really good um i'm very pro chaosium um as are you from from your previous yeah experience. absolutely so um, i wish them all the best with it yeah uh, well, I mean, I'm sure it'll be a massive success, and you know, everyone loves Cthulhu, so. <laughs> True. I I toyed. I saw it this morning, and I toyed with getting it, and I was like, it'd be a lovely thing to have, but I wouldn't play it. Well, it would be a collector's piece, right? Yeah. If it's the very first edition, I mean, like you'd probably run a one shot of it just to like go, oh, this is what this game was like. Yeah, that's fair. Be interesting for it would be interesting for Wizards of the Coast and Asbro to do similar with Dungeons and Dragons, just so that people can appreciate how much that because that I, I'm not too familiar with the previous editions of Call of Cthulhu, so I don't know how drastically it's changed. But Dungeons and Dragons has certainly changed a lot uh, in its you know approaching approaching fifty years of history. So Wizards have done that; uh, ah. they have made older. Uh, supplements and rules available. Um, I can't remember exactly how they do it. I'm, I think they might be a print-on-demand or a limited release thing. I've I've never sure. really looked into them because I have most of the the old editions of of D and D anyway. I think I have mm-hmm. from second edition, second, third, three point five. I skipped yeah. fourth because you know I'm a sensible person. Uh, <laughs> and fifth. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think they have printed uh, older editions for sure because mm-hmm. I've certainly seen them in. In shops, I think you can get like the old red box and things like that. Uh, has had a reprint as well. Nice. Oh yeah, I do remember that the red box getting reprinted. So that's fair enough. Yeah, a friend of mine ran a game of it. He he picked it up and said, "Right, let's let's run a game of this." And these are people who are very experienced. You know, they've got yeah. decades of of D and D under their under their belts, and they're sitting there with with these old school rules with like Thaco and and all the other stuff that comes with it and they're just like this is this is ridiculous this is <laughs> this is maths the game more yeah. so than D ever normally is yeah um i i don't recommend it i really don't as it's it's a lovely sort of delve into the history of the game but playing it is a nightmare and like there's I could go on for for hours, but like in older editions in D and D, you've got things like people have different experience to level up. So like mm. a, a wizard levels up at like a thousand, and a rogue levels up at like fifteen hundred, and these aren't right; these are just off the, the top of my head. Um, you know, and a fighter levels up at like eight hundred, and it's just mental. You know, you've yeah. got people leveling up all over the show, and some people can get to like level fifteen, some people get to level thirty, and it's just like this is. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird addition, man. It, it's it's before they kind of got their head together in 
in how it works. If you want to see a sample of it without having mm-hmm. to actually think about it, go and play the original Baldur's Gate because that uses second edition rules. Uh, and you see it in practice. You know, some of your characters are level like 16 while someone's only yeah. level 12 um, and things like that. And you don't have to worry about the, the complexities of it then. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that kind of segues us nicely into our next topic of conversation, which is obviously... Uh, the new Magic the Gathering set is Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. It's all Dungeons and Dragons themed, and we've been getting all of the spoilers for the cards that are included in this set over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we've both been keeping up with them. Um, now, I appreciate most of our audience don't play Magic the Gathering, so we're not going to get bogged down in like specific mechanics and like calling out like, oh, this card's going to be really good for like standard or commander or whatever. But like broadly speaking, what what are your impressions of it so far? I like it. I'm mm. I'm really excited about it. The thing that has I've I've been excited about it since it was announced, and seeing sort of some of the cards teased up to date has has maintained that. The thing that has really clinched it for me though, that I really like the look of, are the class enchantments, uh, which are amazing. Yeah. Now, well, we'll so we'll get to them in a second. But this, my point was going to be, I love how they have took like the, not just the flavor of the setting of the Forgotten Realms, but the flavor of the game of Dungeons and Dragons, and put that into like mechanics in this set. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's just start with the the class enchantments. These are enchantment cards that you can play, and it effectively gives you. The, the player a class that you yeah. can level up through which is really cool yeah uh, so it's it's taking a bit of a, a card out of munchkin's book i suppose where you you take a class um but in this you can have you can multi-class as well so you can have many of these out mm. you're not limited to a single one um and basically the the one i've seen the most of is the wizard enchantment which is a funny uh class to have in magic since you're all kind of wizards but that's fine i mean uh, yeah yeah that's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you you play down the so it's a, a blue card i think mm-hmm. and you play it down and like you get a, a bonus straight away just for playing it on the table and then as soon as you like you can spend more mana to level up and that gives you more bonuses so i think it like increases your hand size and then you get extra card drawer and a couple of mm-hmm. other things as it kind of uh levels up more um, but you can have like the wizard one down and you can have like potentially the barbarian one down, you know, and you'd be a wizard barbarian, yeah. um, which is, is so cool. Um, mm. It's one thing that when I started playing Magic in the, the older editions of it, there was a lot more focus on you as a player as well, you know, that you were a wizard, you were a really powerful person. They've come away from that a bit yes. in the, the later editions and there's more focus on the planeswalkers themselves you know, as your avatars, if you will, you know, having mm-hmm. Jace or Gideon or anyone like that. But this is a nice way to kind of turn it back round and make it, you know, you're the wizard, you're the, you're the character that's that's mm-hmm. involved behind all this, uh, which I really like. Um, yeah, I, I, I really don't have anything more to say. I think they're really cool. <laughs> no, uh, likewise, a, a great way of sort of representing that in game. But it's not just that. It's um, we, we get to roll 20-sided dice, for mm-hmm. some of the cards, there's a card called Treasure Chest that you roll and that determines, it gives you a different effect d- depending on how lucky you are in what you find in your treasure chest. Yeah. Um, it is set in Dungeons and Dragons. So naturally, one of the new mechanics is dungeons. So there's like one of three dungeons that you're, uh, you can explore 
um, using a, a new mechanic that's tacked onto creatures from what I can see, which is venture. Mm-hmm. So each time you play a creature with venture, uh, you get to go a little bit deeper into whatever dungeon. And the dungeons are named after famous dungeons from Dungeons & Dragons, which is another neat uh, touch. And and to top it all off, we've got uh, some famous characters from the Forgotten Realms have been printed onto cards. And I think that the one that I, I think is probably going to be the most recognised and the most beloved is they have printed Minsk and Boo, which... I believe, and someone else correct me if I'm wrong, I believe Boo is the first instance of a creature-type hamster in Magic the Gathering. So, I might be wrong on that. I might be wrong. They're not... I don't know if it was a hamster, but I remember there was a there was an unglued card, and it mm-hmm. was like a little hamster with a scarf on, and it was a black card, and it was like the unspeakable horror or something it was called. Uh, and it was a little like hamster with a winter you, scarf on, on you're an ice right. skating ring. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Okay, so that was the the art was like a little black hamster with his scarf. Yeah, it on. looks like a Christmas card. Like it was it was one of my favorite magic cards um, that I had back in the day. I gotta look this up now. Is it? But is it creature type? I can't remember hamster. if it was creature type hamster. Uh, I, it might even be like creature type horror or something because it was it was jokingly supposed to be the most horrific thing you could encounter was this Christmas gerbil thing. I'm trying to find it. Uh, I'm, I'm finding I'm finding a lot of like fan-made hamsters. I've got it. Uh, so the card was called the Infernal Spawn of Evil. Yes. Uh, it isn't a hamster. Uh, it is a demon, uh, but the demon is scribbled out uh, and in red it's written uh, Beast. Uh, so it's not unfortunately a hamster uh, although the picture is some sort of rodent Uh, it's it's so good it's a little rodent he's got a little red and white scarf on he's holding like a hot chocolate with some marshmallows on it nice do you know what that do you know what that joke is in reference to I genuinely don't know okay so there is a card in Magic the Gathering I can't remember the exact name this was way 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 back when and it was a something Lemur now, a lemur in, like, folklore is a type of ghost, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but this was perhaps when, like, you know, this was pre-internet and maybe the correspondence uh, between arti- the artists and, like, the art directors and everything well, maybe wasn't so great. The artist misread that as lemur, as in the type of monkey. So uh, the, the art for this card is actually, like, and it's a, it's a black card and it's, like, this little black lemur. <laughs> <laughs> like rather than a ghost <laughs> so i believe that that is what that is in reference to someone mistaking what the what the thing is supposed to be i like that i i, yeah. I really enjoy like the just to get slightly off track i i love the silver boarded sets like it's it's magic laughing at itself which yeah. is the right way to be yeah magic having fun i've got um thomas from geekaboo uh he has an uncube which oh, okay. I played once, and it is wild. <laughs> I can imagine. The one I always remember sticking out, we we used to play Magic at my friend's on his, his bedroom floor. There was like four of us, and mm. there was the Denim Minotaur uh, who had Denim yes. Walk. Uh, <laughs> so you couldn't block him if you were wearing any denim. Uh, so you'd get people who, like, before you were playing, you know, they'd go and change into a pair of sweatpants or something just so nice. that you could Denim Walk them. Yeah, nice. 
Um, back to uh, back on track then. So, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms uh, is coming out. I believe pre-release is in. It's either next week or fortnight. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to be taking part. Sadly, Geekaboo are still not doing in-person events, so I'll probably be doing it over webcam. Right. Is this is this a set you're planning to, to give a go? It's a set I am going to be buying, uh, certainly. I'm probably going to... It's going to be one of the first times I'll pick up a box for a very long time mm. um, because I definitely want some of this stuff. I don't play a lot of Magic. I actually can't remember the last time I played a game. But I don't want to miss this set, and then you know, six months down the line, I play a game and I don't have stuff from a really cool yeah. set. Uh, so I'm probably going to pick up a box. I won't be doing the pre-release because that weekend, uh, my mum's actually coming up to visit, oh. uh, and that takes priority because I've not seen her for 16, 18 months now. That's fair. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll be giving a skip on the pre-release, unfortunately, but I will uh, be picking up a box of this, and I'll probably be. Uh, pulling yourself over for a couple of games i imagine yeah more than happy to oblige uh, rightio and moving on from that i think the last little bit of news to talk about uh, just to touch on is uh arkham horror the card game uh, by fantasy flight they've announced a new core set for it so um you'll have heard us talking about arkham horror on previous episodes of the podcast we really like it. Ben and Charlotte really got into it, and they they bought a ton of the expansions for it, and they were playing through a lot of the the campaigns themselves with it. So, but um, uh, Fantasy Flight have decided to uh, rejig the the core set. Uh, important to note: this isn't a new edition, so this isn't going to make any cards obsolete or anything like that. This is basically to. I, I, I'm. I'm going to read uh, just just off my source here. Uh, this is the still the same Arkham Horror the card game that many have come to know and love over the past five years, and none of the cards included in the revised core set are new to the game. The rules are the same. The campaign is the same. The experience is the same. Even the cards are mostly the same, with the only difference being the inclusion of a handful of higher level cards from some of the game's earlier expansions to give newer players more options when spending experience. But even then, these cards already exist as part of the game, which means that if you already have all the existing uh, products, then there, will be not, uh, there won't be anything in the revised core set that you will need from yourself. However, this is the perfect opportunity to introduce a friend or family member to the game. It comes with everything a newcomer needs to get their uh, collection started, including a full playset of cards and components to support up to four players for the initial campaign. So, nothing new, but uh, a bit of a... I'm guessing that Fantasy Flight have done this as like a little bit of a shot in the arm for for the systems. It will encourage some new people to to get in on on that. Have Have you played... Arkham Horror at all, Tom? I think I've played once with Ben, Charlotte, and yourself a couple mm. of years ago. Uh, I was really interested in it when it came out, but it kind of ran away from me. Uh, yeah. And as some of these games do, uh, you get to a point where there's so much, the prospect of kind of getting into it is, is a bit daunting mm-hmm. um, because you don't really know where to jump in. Uh, and, you know, playing catch up is fiscally just not viable. 
in our yeah. home because you you'd have to buy umpteen expansions and they're not cheap and, and yeah. that's always like the one of the issues with these living card games it's fine if you're in at the ground floor and you just keep up with it it mm-hmm. it, it you're still spending the same amount of money but you you're, you're doing it at a more reasonable pace whereas like if you try and get in well evidently Arkhamor is five years old now can you imagine trying to buy all of the sets over five years it's gonna cost a lot yeah definitely i mean it's, it's one of the problems i had with with legendary i mean i started legendary a few years ago and i had a lot of sets to catch up on and i, I spent mm. hundreds of pounds yeah just to get to where i was at that point in time and that's before you know the past few years have, have come and gone and I, I couldn't even imagine going into it now how much you would have to spend i mean you couldn't a lot of the sets just aren't available anymore but you mm-hmm. just couldn't get all the sets you know it it, it break you you know, you'd be spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds on these things. And I, th- I imagine the same is, could be said of Arkham Horror, you know, and, and I don't know if they're all still available as well or if they go out of print after a certain period of time. Mm. What I think this is good, though, is it, it kind of gives you a soft reset. So they're not invalidating what's come before, yeah. but they're saying, here's a new revised core set. Here's a nice jumping off point. If you want to get the old stuff, great. But if you don't, you can just pick this up. And if you want to then add some stuff to it, you can do. So it gives you like a nice... It doesn't invalidate the people who have spent hundreds and hundreds of pounds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it, it includes, you know, everyone, new and old, which is a really good way to do it. And it sounds like they're being pretty sensible. They're they're keeping it the same and just making a few amendments for for the benefit of new newcomers. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I, I think the other thing that helps with Arkham Horror is that it isn't a competitive game mm-hmm. in nature. It's cooperative. So it's a bit different for, see, like, competitive living card games like Game of Thrones and Netrunner. Like, you you need everything, really. <laughs> or, or you certainly need very specific things to make whatever deck you're trying to build work. Whereas with this, it's a bit more casual. And, yeah. like, so... Well, that's, that's part of the, the appeal, isn't it? I mean, I... I really like these kinds of games, and and the time I did play Arkham Horror, I did really enjoy it. I think the the only tricky thing, and I found this with Champions, because Champions has a very similar sort of vibe to it. Mm. It's not quite as narrative, but it it follows a lot of the same sort of uh, paths. Is you need a regular group to kind of keep going. So Ben and Charlotte are quite yeah. good. They have each other they play with, and they they just play two player. Or sometimes you went and played with them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have kind of this consistent group. I find unless you've got a dedicated group or a couple of people that want to like make a fixture, whether it's once a week, once a month, whatever, you're you're going to struggle to get the benefit of, of these kind of living card games that have the narrative storyline to it, um, unless you want to play it on your own, obviously. Um, that is kind of my one sort of issue with them because I've, for example, with Champions, I've got all of Champions to date and I've played a lot of it myself and I played in the early days I played games with yourself and Ben um, but obviously then COVID hit mm-hmm. um, and you, you're suddenly put in this position and it could be similar if like your group breaks up where you've got all this content but not really people to play it with or people yeah. that are willing to invest the time uh, which is a shame uh, because they're great games you know and, and uh, Arkham Horror especially has a, a really fun narrative thread that runs through it and uh, we've 
we kind of watched uh went see one of the shows about it at um uk games expo a couple mm-hmm. of years back and i had no real understanding of the game uh but it was still fun to watch people kind of talking about something they were excited about um and even with with limited knowledge i had you, you got a feel for what they were doing um so yeah it's i think it's a good idea i i, I support it yeah yeah you could put my seal of approval on it effort the tom seal of approval i'm gonna we're gonna have to get that made now you can just start stamping it at cons yeah (laughs) i like this (laughs) you're dumb sir please stop this is the demo copy it's the only one we have (laughs) stop stamping everything yes so i think on that note that is uh, just about time uh, so thanks as always very much for for listening to us guys and as always until next time take care bye, bye. Thank you.